Welcome to The Self-Made Theory. The podcast that's all about innovating, overcoming and prospering. We interview founders, entrepreneurs, innovators, CEOs and other exciting people about their amazing business journey. Over to your host, Ben Campbell, for this week's episode. I have to say that serial entrepreneurs are so much fun and the honesty and openness of my next guests is totally refreshing and enlightening. Leah Itzinas and Mitch Kayon co-founded Bear, the balanced and realistic eating guide, a realistic day-to-day way of looking at food. And they have a big following, including over half a million Instagram subscribers. But the Bear Guide isn't the only thing that they've launched. They have had a lot, and I mean a lot, of business ideas and many failures along the way. And it's this piece that I think is so important for you to listen to today. It's all great when we hear stories of success, but listening to people's failures is even more important because it's from these much learning will come. We cover a lot of ground in this interview, including the critical importance of staying true to your vision and your brand and what happens when you stray from this. We talk about, are all entrepreneurs control freaks? how being a couple can work really well in business if you define your roles well, and how it's important not to be scared to fail. You will only get better and better. We also cover the importance of true customer feedback, not just the feedback that you received from your biased friends and family. My name is Ben Campbell, and this is The Self-Made Theory. Leah and Mitch, welcome to The Self-Made Theory. Thank you for having us. Thanks for having us. We're here at the Leah Itzinas slash Bear corporate headquarters. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so let's start with the elevator pitch. Who's doing that? I'll do it. Yeah. I think. Take it Phil, I'll take it. So the Leah Itzinas brand and the Bear Guide is a digital food platform where we dedicate each and every day to providing women with healthy recipes, meal planners, and just empowering them to live a happy and healthier life through food. Awesome. So you're both co-founders. Correct. Yes. And what's with the family of entrepreneurs thing that's going on? <laughs> My mum fed us good, good parenting. <laughs> good parenting. <laughs> what's, what, what happened at home around the kitchen table when you guys were kids? <laughs> no idea. Business plans. <laughs> yeah, business plans. <laughs> I have no idea. So where does it come from? Like, I mean, let's be honest, right? Not every family has a bunch of people who are you know, entrepreneurs. Mm. Was there things that happened you know, in your family that actually – promoted or supported that? I think that my parents were both really, really hard workers. So my both my parents were teachers. Mum worked two jobs. Dad was always at work, um, always coming home. And obviously teachers do a lot of homework at home. Um, they were both just, they just instilled really, really good morals within us, like always working, you know, paying for your own car. We don't give you anything. They gave us what we needed, not what we wanted. We had to work for everything. So they just instilled those values in us. And I think that just, it kind of stuck with the both of us. Yeah, right. What about you, Mitch? Yeah, I don't know. Like it was, school wasn't for me. So early on, I was like, I definitely want to do something else, but I hadn't quite found what it was. So I went into real estate straight after school, um, didn't enjoy it as much as what I thought. And then I like luckily met Leah. Um, and then we kind of just, I guess, found our way and tried to come up with multiple plans over the last like five years. And yeah, so just Leah and her family definitely a big help for sure. Yeah. 
So tell me about food. What's the deal with food? I, I read a quote that said from you that said, I swear I dream about food. Where, <laughs> I do. Where does the obsession with food come from? Uh, I just, my whole family, we only come from a Greek family. So food is absolutely oh, everything. It. Yeah, we have to, it depends on, you know, like we always had everything at our house. Like our home was just basically everyone would come and everyone would bring something and every event would be around the food and what we were eating. So I guess it was a, it's instilled in me again from having that sort of like Greek background, healthy and fresh food and everyone cooking. So I don't know, it just, it, it's, it was a passion always. Um, and it just brings family together and family is massive for me as well. So I think food and family is just a big thing. So when you think about food, what sort of emotions does it evoke in you? It literally invokes, like if I think about my family events, it literally reminds me of just craziness and people everywhere and just fun. And just all I remember, because I have lots of cousins, like typical Greek family have lots of cousins. So all I remember is us kids just running around food fights and all that fun stuff. And it just, it just makes me happy. Like it genuinely makes me really happy. So why does the world need another food blog, food cookbook, food meal plan, food app? Yeah. Well, we were discussing this the other day and we just said that there's so much out there and there's so much confusion with what to eat and this is bad for you and this is bad for you and then it comes around in a year's time and it's actually really good for you and it's just like it's actually really hard to start eating healthy because there's so much information um, and I think the way that we think um, is very, very balanced and realistic. And we, like food for me is a part of my life and I want it to be part of everyone else's life in a really realistic way and actually just kind of, I guess, hide out all those rumours and things that people get confused by. So I think it's just, it's important for us to be a voice for realistic and balanced eating. So that's the acronym, right? Be- uh, that's balanced it, yes. and realistic <laughs> eating yes, guides. Yes, it up, yes. <laughs> Throw it in there. Bear, right? Yep. So balanced and realistic eating. So you start, yeah, your intent is to stay away from sort of the extreme ends oh, of, yeah. of, Absolutely. of what yeah. happened. Yeah. Because obviously, I mean, the, the challenge when you're creating any new platform, business, idea, product is how do you differentiate yourself from your competitors? Correct. And I am sure in the food industry at the extreme ends of the spectrum, yep. people are doing that potentially mm-hmm. right, yep. to differentiate themselves. Absolutely, yeah. I think our biggest thing was we just wanted to be balanced and we yeah. just wanted to stay true to what I love. And I think that's what people kind of, they see that within our videos because they know that I'm enjoying food and I'm having fun and I'm laughing and that they can really relate to that. That's right. And just taking it back to basics, I mean, like, when we first started, our audience loved, you know, normal foods like pasta, for example, and things like that. And, you know, like staying true to your brand is very important. So like doing something, for example, like keto, that's not what Leah does. So it's not what we would do. So, you know, just staying true to yourself and your audience is, is really important as yeah. well. That's a massive piece in any business, isn't it? Yeah. When you start out is what's, uh, you know, what, what are you planning on doing? Exactly. And not succumbing to you know, the general yeah, trend. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. It's a big thing for us. And so have you had to pull yourselves up on that? Yes, we have. We actually, um, when we first, so we released our first bear guide, which was in 2018. Jan 2018. 2018. Yep. I get the dates wrong because so, everything went so quickly. So it's basically two years ago. <laughs> two from years ago, recording. yes. We came up with our first guide. And then we, at that same time, so we released the guide online and then we got a book deal. And then the book came out in July of July, the same yeah. year. So how does a book deal happen for those that? Those for, for the uninitiated. It's probably unprecedented, but they reached out to us and asked if we wanted to do a book deal. Yeah. And then from there, it was just negotiating yeah. things and then making sure it worked for us and our audience. And we put together the yeah. book. But I think, it's, I think it's a scarier thing that 
than you would think. Like most book publishers are so open now to people online. So if you have an online profile and you are in the food industry or whatever you are, like if you just reach out to them and just say, hey, I really like to do this, I'm like – they're no, but they're, yeah, they're very yeah. open now, I think. It doesn't, you don't have to be like, you know, a published author already to get another book deal. I've heard some authors say that, you know, their initial piece, they you know, declined a publisher because they didn't have the creative control or they yes. are too dictatorial in terms yes. of what they wanted. Yeah. What well, was that, the experience was, for you? I think well, with, the, um, with our book, we got we were quite um, lucky in that yeah. way. But we did, our, yeah, our book came out in July and we weren't allowed to speak about our bear guide three months before and three months after, yeah. which basically put our whole business into a massive standstill. Yeah. And we weren't really able to do anything else. And so, so what, why, why that? What was the intention behind that? Just because they're, I guess they're like similar books, so to speak. So, you know, like it might be a competitor in the field and then publishers obviously want their book to sell versus something else that might be a direct competitor. So Yeah. So we, yeah, we didn't speak about our published book. And then we thought because our guide went well, then no one was really buying it because everyone was buying the published book. We thought like maybe we should shift here and do something like unhealthy food and what was it? Feel good food. food. Feel good food. So we thought we'd do like a, you know, a comfort food sort of thing. We released it. Terrible idea. Literally <laughs> flopped like so bad. <laughs> and it, we and just, did you release it under the same brand, the Leah It's yeah, Siamese brand? Yeah, because yeah. we thought that's what people want. That's definitely what people want because I, I, I know it. And then we released it, flopped, and then we thought, no, like that's not it. We went. We went backwards. Yeah, we went and so that, far back. And do you think that's because it was inauthentic to yes, who yes, you were? Yes, correct, because yep. everyone was yep. following me before for healthy and um, and just like innovative things that like, you know, the, your normal foods but just in a healthier way and everyone – and I loved doing that. It was my favourite challenge, getting like a pizza and making it amazing. And then came out with this like comfort food book and people were kind of like, what is that? Yeah, where'd this come from? And it had nothing – It doesn't make any sense. It, no, it, it made yeah. no yeah. sense for us yeah. and it was like – you know, fair enough to us that it flopped because it did, it 100%. was a waste of time. Yeah, it was terrible. <laughs> <laughs> but it was it was good learning. Yeah, though. it was like, a very good we, learning. We yeah. scrambled to put that together, and then it didn't work, which made us you know sit down and reevaluate everything. And then obviously from there we had launched the current bear guide we have now. So it was a massive learning curve, and like I'm so glad. That yeah, that I'm glad it happened. I'm, I'm just glad it happened. Now, one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you was about a great video that you shot recently of your failures, right? And that's <laughs> oh, like, yeah. Because not a lot of people like to talk about failure yeah. or learning, whichever one you want to call it. I yeah. prefer learning myself. Definitely. I think you guys mm-hmm. do too, yep. which is great. You've had a number. Clearly you've got a lot of ideas <laughs> rattling around your head, probably <laughs> more, yeah. and, I'll, and I'll come back to that, right? Yeah. But, I'm, but I'm keen to talk about, you know, some of the some of the big failures and what you've learned yeah. out of that because, you know, when you go down the list, there's a big list, mm-hmm. right? For there's sure, a big yeah. list. Yep. Bake mixes, chop. Taste oh. bud. Don't, oh, I don't even want to talk about taste bud. Bar- barley glow. So bored. Grit wow. 40. Right? <laughs> oh, God, it makes me cry. Gives me nightmares. But they're all good. Yeah. Um, yeah. But in all seriousness, um, yeah, some of those are obviously big things, right? Particularly the t- taste buds, probably yes. the one yep. you, you know, that most people would know you for. Yeah. Can we talk about that? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So where did, so where did, that, where did the idea start? And why did it go wrong? I'm going to pass over to you because this is all your well, fault. It's a, it's a bit of a blur, but um, again, I guess this was kind of like alluding to that tricky part that we had um, cookbook out and then we launched Feel Good Food. That didn't really work. The next thing we kind of came up with was like, okay, maybe these ebooks aren't working for us. Um, people love our food. They always talk about, you know, wanting to have it in their home. So how else can we penetrate their home? Let's try a meal prep service. Um, we didn't want to do what HelloFresh were doing or any of those brands, so we, we thought we'd do all the prep work 
and then sell it that way. So all they have to do is put everything together, cook it. Really so the differentiation was I'm, I'm not delivering a whole bunch of Correct. vegetables and other things yeah. and ingredients yeah. for you to yeah. make. It was prepped semi-prepped. Yeah, ready all to go. basically all prepped. All you needed to do was like cut it open and just cook it and then it was, it and was, was done. And was anyone else doing anything like that at the time in the market? Not yeah. in Australia. There was one small company starting out in the US, but I forget what they're called now. But not again. It was a little bit different, yeah. So not not the same, and no one with a face to the brand either. So we thought we could really leverage our brand and do that. Um, so we had that idea for a little while, and then I kept saying to Leah, like, let's just try it. Let's just try it. Let's put some bags together, whatever. It'll I be literally, easy. Put, I put it off for six months. I kept. I was like, nah, like for six months, and he kept going yeah. on and on. And I was like, fine, we'll do five. So why didn't you want to do it? I just didn't like. I wasn't. I don't know. I just didn't think it was a good idea. Well, I wasn't in in the idea. Like I just kind of thought like I'd rather do my stuff online. It's much easier for us. Like then this is more like physical labor. Like we actually have to do this rather than, you know, cook a recipe and post it online. That's easy rather than having to like sit there and chop stuff. Like that's hard work. We don't have the time or facilities or, or staff or anyone. And he just thought like, let's just try. And I was like, Fine, let's do five. We literally we started off with five. Well, we did family members. Family, yeah, yeah, five family, family members. And first for about three to four weeks. Yeah. And that was bad for us because everyone was obviously loving it. And friends and family, like sometimes while they can be good, they probably didn't tell us any flaws or like anything. Yeah. So they, they were like, oh, we're loving this. If you did this, you know, we would buy from you. And then, you know, they three are, weeks they, later. There is some bias in there, isn't there? Oh, 100%. And mm. then we went live and no one that said they would bought. So yeah. we had five orders in the first week and then we really found it challenging. But I didn't put my name to yeah. it until week three. I three, three or four, or four. Yeah. yeah. So we got like five orders and ten orders. This was just from like posting on Facebook and trying to like, you know, yeah. try and get some orders. Yeah. But then I think it went from 15 orders, which was we did it in my mum's back shed like this. Like it a was back a back little studio. It was really hard. It was really small as well. And then we did from 15, we did, I put my name to it and we got 80 the next week. And we were like, Small okay. jump. <laughs> Small jump. So let's just talk about what you'd actually set up before the 80 orders had come. <laughs> Zero. <laughs> Not much. <laughs> Nothing. So Not no full-on food prep facilities. You no. were just no, no. no staff, no, Nothing. just you two? It was just literally us, two. us my Friends mom and, and my family. Yeah, yeah my family. Yeah. I literally roped like I think there was 11 of us, but, uh, 11 week, of us week eight, week nine. Weekend, yeah. And I felt so awful because it was like, Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday, Sunday, like they were all there chopping and cutting and, and prepping and, and, on, and delivering on, Sunday. on Sundays. Yeah. It was a hectic time and I felt awful. Yeah, that was, that was bad. <laughs> so how did you cope with the 80 orders? We didn't. Like, we did. We, did. Hard, we definitely coped. We, we, we got through it. Yeah, we found like little loopholes that ha- met, like, helped us like go through the process. But it was because we were trying to do my online stuff. So I had to come up with three. At the time, we we're doing three recipes a day. Mm-hmm. Yep online so it was, I was doing that and then I was trying to come up with taste bud recipes while having to make sure I only had Monday to Wednesday to do my own work like as in Leah it's, in, it's online work and then from Thursday I was offline because I couldn't yeah, we couldn't was cope yeah it was taste bud and then we I think we ended up getting 130 orders the last week the before last week Christmas we hit yeah. Yeah. And we had, by the, I think week eight, we moved into my sister's warehouse. She like gave us a warehouse. She's like, Leah, I need it back in February 1st. Like I, you can't have it until then. You can have it for a month. And we're like, okay, okay, okay. We had three weeks in there. And then I said to me, it's like, if we want to keep going, we need to get 
staff. We need to get the equipment. We need to get, you know, safety regulations. We need to get all of these things in order. <laughs> and we don't have anything. <laughs> so, like, we needed to get, obviously, we should have done that before, but that's, like, lesson learned. Yeah. But it was a decision where we were like, okay, we're going to either start now and fork out an X amount of money for it because we need to get a warehouse and all that kind of stuff or we stop. Like it was kind of, it was the hardest decision and I felt, I, I think I cried for like three days. I think so. But we like, it was funny. We both sat down. It was over the Christmas break and we looked at each other and I think I said to Leah like, well, how would you feel if we just stopped taste bud? And she looked at me and she started crying and she's like, I was feeling the same way, but like it was a massive weight off our shoulders yeah. to just stop because we were yeah. so in over our heads and, you know, like brands like HelloFresh, et cetera, like they all start with massive, massive capital and, you know, like a hundred staff yeah. and we had none of that. So we were way in over our heads yeah. and we didn't know what we were dealing with. And, you know, like it was obviously sad that like we had repeat customers that, you know, yeah. still miss taste bud, but yeah. it was a great decision to stop. And I'm, you know, so glad to, to try that. Yeah. I was glad to do it, but I felt, I felt like almost embarrassed that we couldn't keep yeah. it going. Publicly embarrassed embarrassed is how I would describe how I felt. I felt so In front of friends and family, yeah, Yeah. definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So how did you get over that piece, the embarrassment? I had my first weekend off <laughs> and I was like, yeah. for the movie's uh, hibernation. No, I was literally hibernation. Balancing up the, That's you know, right. put some personal time back in your life with exactly. the embarrassment. Yeah, okay. like the first, I think it was Friday night, I was like, what do you want to do? Like, do you want to go out? <laughs> literally. And yeah. he was like, really? I, was like, I think we've got time, but yeah. let's do it. So it, it was like after a couple of days of not, not like, you know, feeling embarrassed and I spoke to my whole family being like, you know, like we can't do any more. My mum was like, oh, thank God. Like I don't want to do that anymore. Yeah. And I was like, okay. Everyone was so Everyone supportive. was really supportive because yeah. they realised how crazy it got, like how quick it got and how crazy it got. They were like, yeah, I think it's a better decision to yeah. stop. Are you a busy executive with not enough time to work on your business and fit in physical exercise into your day? As a business coach and mentor, many of the executives I work with understand that their most precious resource is time. On top of running their business and the demands of life in general, the challenge for many is fitting exercise into their busy lives. Harvard Business Review indicates your mental firepower as an executive is directly linked to your physical regimen. Exercise brings improved concentration, sharper memory, faster learning, prolonged mental stamina, enhanced creativity and lower stress. And that doesn't include all the physical health benefits as well. In response to this, we've launched Self-Made Cycling, our business and executive coaching services, conducted not in the boardroom but on the bike. It's a brilliant way to combine all the benefits of working on your business challenges while bringing you the physiological benefits of exercise. Years ago, a lot of business was conducted on the golf course. Today, it's time to handle your business on the handlebars. We cater for all levels of executives and cycling experience. Beginner, pro, entrepreneur, manager, CEO, weekly, fortnightly or monthly. We've got you covered. We've launched this service in January at the Tour Down Under in Adelaide, but can work with executives anywhere in the world using your smart trainer and platforms like Zwift. And don't forget to chat to your accountant. Did I hear someone say tax deduction? Visit our website, selfmadecycling.com.au or call 1300theory. Business and cycling, it doesn't get any better. So why not? 
take it to the next level? Why not go and find some investors? Because when you look at the market and, and back then, there's obviously a gap there, right? Oh, there are those definitely. people who yeah. who don't want to buy a takeout or pre-prepped meals, yeah. who want to be involved in the process, but, you know, because it looks like there's a spot there in the market yeah. Yeah, that really definitely. makes sense. Yeah. So why not go and find an investor? We initially toured with that idea and did. Like, so we gave ourselves, I think, what, late November to the Christmas break in yeah. December to if we found anyone locally that shared the vision, we would toy with that idea and gear up for the what was 2019 at the time. But we met with a whole bunch of people and they just, it didn't click. Um, and then it was just like the more we talked about it and like, okay, we could do this percent for this, whatever, like it just, we realised we're not really in it and it wasn't for us. Like we're not passionate about that. Like whilst it's great that we can deliver Lee's meals to people's homes it, it wasn't something yeah, that we I, were I think that I, w- I was more like I have a specific way like I'm crazy in the kitchen like I need to everyone I need to cook and yeah. everyone needs to get out like I so I figured like if I tried to do it and it wasn't cooked to my standard I would be like really I would just yeah. freak out about it so I thought like I can't give the reins to someone else yeah. at this early early stage like I wanted to be like this is my process is this how I want it done and then hand over but we went at that time, so I was like... Not only that, though, like our whole mission and I guess brand for the Lead Zenith is, is definitely like to empower people to cook their own meals, you know, through however we put out content and, you know, doing it for them isn't really doing that. So, like, we're not empowering people, we're just giving them a shortcut to... Yeah. Um, so it, the brand alignment probably wasn't there and, you know... Like it was, but it wasn't like... Yeah, it just didn't make sense over time. Hmm. Mm. And do you think your feeling about it was impacted by the fact that you just worked a gazillion hours like do you- absolutely yeah we were like yeah we were saying that like we've never been in that point of like a physical exhaustion yeah. for yeah. like that the last Sunday we did because we would get up at 3 a.m to pack the orders and then get at, orders would be out of the door by 6 a.m yeah. and then we'd be driving all day like we get in our own Literally cars drive all day, day yeah. right we had a van at that point but driving all day and then we'd get home at five six o'clock we'd be driving from like here to I don't even know where that place was. Angle Vale. Angle Vale. <laughs> and then all that Marion. And then it yeah. was just, we just didn't have, it was just insane. And by the end of it, we would like put the music up and he would have to talk to each other because I would be falling asleep in the passenger yeah. seat because it was mm. just like exhausting. So I think by the end of it, we were like, we can't do this alone. Mm. Yeah. So you talk about needing to be in control. Yeah. Crazy. Uh, <laughs> I love that you recognise that. Most entrepreneurs don't. Oh, no, right? I'm, I know it. <laughs> and you talked about quality being really important too. Yeah. Um, where did where did bake mixes come into the into the timeline? Was that before or after? Before, way before. So we got that was our first product we had done. So that was actually called Bake Mixes. We did it with a lady who contacted us and she was like, Oh, you know, I own this company, would love to do a pancake mix. And we're like, sure. She came up with the recipes. We just put our name on it. And that, again, for me, I was kind of like, nah, like it's not my favourite, but I was so excited to have my name on a packet. We were like yeah. super excited. So once that happens, like once that, I think it was a six-month or three-month kind of deal, we were like, yes, yeah. I was like, Mitch, I want these products for myself and I want to create them. So then we found a manufacturer in Sydney. Sydney, yeah. And she was amazing, sold the dream, like all that kind of stuff. We came out with four or five products, like spices and all those things. And I was like, I love that because people can use my spices, you know, when they're cooking. And everything. Was, yeah, on everything. I was so excited about it. Um, and that also failed <laughs> very was, badly. Yeah. And so why did, that, why did that fail? 
Uh, I would say lack of knowledge, like just being young and naive, you know what mm. I mean? Like wanting to put our name or Leah's brand on something and then not really understanding our audience or market and just coming out with something and thinking, oh, yeah, you know, we've got a semi-big following, like we'll launch it and we'll make lots of money and everyone be happy. Yeah. Didn't go that way. No. And it was like we didn't know anything about manufacturing or, you know, yeah, actual cost. physical goods. Like that's not what we deal with. No. Um, so we learned like we learned a heap and we didn't make any money from that. And it was just like it was a good experience. But, yeah, again, like we didn't do any research. So and if I we think, had before, maybe it would have gone differently. Yeah, but. we had. I think we had a like a, an agreement in our agreement. We had to spend, we had to buy a minimum of 1,000 units every month. So we basically got any money that we had got in profits and it was bare, bare profits, yeah. we would go straight back in. So for like, you know, six, seven, eight months, we made like literally $0 on everything. So we were kind of like, it's kind of not working. And then yeah. we had bought, I think, 3,000 units um, and she sold her company. And then the person she sold to was not going to honor our agreement. And we lost like basically all that money and all those products and all that kind of stuff. So. So you've mentioned a couple of examples here of things that look like a sensational idea at the time, yeah. mm-hmm. but there's a bit of a theme there in mm-hmm. the, both of them, and I imagine there's probably others, things like your T-shirt merch idea and, and others, <laughs> right? That was your idea. <laughs> <laughs> we'll come back to that. <laughs> they clearly didn't resonate with the yeah. brand and weren't yeah. authentic to your vision. Yeah. Yeah. So today when you come up with an idea, yeah. How important is it for you to wash it under the under the vision and make sure that? Oh yeah, super important. Mm, we don't do anything that we both don't agree on or like believe in. Believe in more than anything. Like it's not about money any. Like you know, pro- we were like we're back then when we first started, we were like we need profits, like we need money, we need this, and then now we're kind of like, does it make sense for our audience? Will First it provide value? Yeah. Then if it provides value, like is it feasible for us? Yes, it is. Okay, then we'll do it. And if yeah. either value or feasibility. If they both aren't a yes, then it just doesn't happen. Yeah, yeah agreed. So when you talk about is this something you can do, are you talking about you personally or do you go and find the expertise to bring in to help you? A bit of both. Like, yeah. for, like for example, we use the bear guide we have now. It's a combination of Leah, myself, and then we've also got a dietitian, Brittany, who helps write the guide. So we don't yeah. want to, you know, we want to give value in the right way. So the guide is written by a dietitian to the Australian Guide to Healthy Eating. So yeah. mm. it's just another tick for us and we don't want to be someone online that's just releasing and talking about food that doesn't actually know what they're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. So you so you balance your you know creative side and yeah. what's yeah. important to you yeah. in yes. terms of in terms of your balance diet. Right. Yeah, with- like food yeah, food and flavor and all of that kind of stuff is really important to me and people enjoying the food, but yeah. also at the same time it's important to be healthy and nutritious and all of that kind yeah. of stuff, but I don't want to delve into that stuff and not make the correct choice or be factually incorrect. So yeah. I always go to Brittany and be like, what do I need to create this meal? And she gives me a list. I'm like, cool, and I'll go and choose my own things. And that's just the way we work. So you've got lots and lots of ideas, right? <laughs> and, and we've only covered a few of the sort of yeah. Yeah, failures or learnings or the fun ones. Where do the ideas come from? Because... What's really interesting is that most people think entrepreneurs come up with an idea uh, and aren't they great? Look at the idea they've come up with. Often entrepreneurs come up with lots and lots and lots of ideas. And like both of you, you know, yeah. a lot of them have not gone well, yeah. but you learn along the way, which, yeah, isn't, sure. which is the important yeah. piece. Where do the ideas come from? I think that even our bear guide, bear yeah. came from 
me being a personal trainer. I was a personal trainer before all of this. And I'd get my clients come in and be like, you know, I don't know what to eat. I don't know how to do this, blah, blah, blah. So we kind of, and at that time I was online getting the same questions from online community as my personal training clients. And then Mitch and I met and we went to a library up the road that was now uni library. We like snuck in, stole some pens and like got on their whiteboard and wrote all the things that I wanted answered. Like I like food knowledge. I wanted cooking like experience. I wanted all this stuff. And then me and Mitch came up with an idea of like coming up with a program or something that can help solve all of these issues. Yeah. Um, so it comes from community. It comes from people and it comes from your, your own experience, I think. Yeah, and definitely like for me, it's it's, it's everyday frustration points. Yeah. And then you, it gets you thinking like, oh, maybe we could do this or what about this? And yeah. then from there it really builds and like Leah's saying like community and stuff, it's obviously going to make sense from there. Yeah. But, yeah, I think it just stems from frustration. Yeah, from so, yeah. And yeah, wanting to it better is, and wanting to better something. And do you think that's a learned skill? Do you think over time the more you think about ideas, the more ideas come? Mm-hmm. The, more the more you think about conscious you are of things that you do day to day, the more that you're actively thinking of those things. Yeah. But a lot of people just go through the motions. And if you're doing that, like when I was in real estate, I didn't think about anything. Like who knows? I didn't even know how to cook anything. But now like you actively go through the day, yeah. you think about things like, oh, okay, this could be done better we could be more efficient here when you start thinking like that. And also maybe like listening to feedback. Like a lot of our new projects that are along the line now are all based on people's feedback. People will be like, oh, I want this. And instead of being like, "Mm, nah, like I'm the boss and I don't need to listen to you. Like we're like, okay, like maybe we can do that. And let's let's talk about it. Let's like, you know, discuss and about that value and feasibility thing. And then we go for it and it's literally just because they want it. Yeah. It's all about community. It's community first, Mm. definitely, yeah. So if I come along and offer you to a, a job in my corporation, are you going to accept me? No. No. What? Why? Why Why is running your own business so good? Because I'm a control freak now. <laughs> <laughs> why, not, why not just get a job somewhere? Why not get a job that pays well, you know, pays the mortgage, you know, blah, blah, blah. You couldn't pay me to leave no. this role. Like honestly, no helping people, and we're lucky enough to help people all over the world. Mm. Doing what we do and helping people and actually seeing ourselves change people's lives is something that you can't put into words. Like no. it's it's actually amazing. Yeah, and doing things that like you believe, like you you believe are going to be done for good. Yeah. Like you can yeah. see the change and you're like, you know, at the forefront. I think it's just, I don't know. It's exciting. It like is, it's, it's, it's like genuinely every day, exciting. Every day you go to work and you're like, I want to change something. I want to do something yeah, and yeah. I want to like, so if, you know, working for someone else, not obviously you, but like <laughs> for somebody else, you might, you might think like, you know, I want to do something and then you get knocked back. And in this job, in this job, in this role that we both have, we want to do something, we don't get knocked back unless we argue with each other. <laughs> like, it's like you kind of can do what you want and you can really do something good. Yeah. Not every couple can make in business together. Why is it successful for you two? I think we complement each other really yeah. well. So like Leah's very, very good at the creative side of things and thinking creatively, whereas yeah. I'm, I'd like to say a little bit more logical. So like how do we make that idea work feasible, you know, yeah. tick all the boxes that's actually get it happening. Yeah, but absolutely. Yeah, and Leah's we play to, really, we play to our strengths because yeah. I know that when it comes to a negotiation, I'm like, I'm a, no, I can't do it. Like I will literally like just hide in the corner. <laughs> I don't want to do any of that kind of stuff. I like, and I'm just not good at it because I'm not good at confrontation, not good at any of that stuff. Whereas Mitch is, and he loves it. So we can be like, you know, I get put in these positions, Mitch gets put in those positions yeah. and we don't really like argue about what I, what each other do because yeah. we know that that's there. We know we have our clear yeah. roles and we, we go by it. Mm. 
So let's talk about your customer base. Where are they? How many? Oh, if you can talk about that. Over yeah, you, mate. <laughs> it's not like we don't talk about it like a great deal publicly, but yeah. they're literally all over the world, which is amazing. I mean, like Australia, for example, we're obviously based in Australia, but um, Australia is about 25%. The US okay. are on par. Wow. Um, and then we've we've got Canada, the UK, New Zealand, which are obviously massive as well, but they're our biggest. So um, 75% of your revenue comes from, from overseas? Yes. That's a big export which is business, crazy. isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and that's like obviously the lucky thing of before we launched Bear, we had like a massive online following as well. So it, it definitely helps. And yeah. it's just about nurturing that community to, you know, all it have to, has to be is, you know, create a great product. They tell five friends who tell another five yeah. friends. So that's how it's kind of spiraled for us, which is amazing. Mm. So is what you offer universal across all of those yeah. countries? Yes. So yeah. there's no need to regionalize menus, regionalise ingredients, other things. So we'll discuss this yeah. at the moment. So with our, like, with our ingredients, we try to use things that, you know, global, like we don't use crazy ingredients that you can't find in the middle yeah. of Mexico or wherever it is. So we try, we try to use those ingredients, but we do realise that some places it's harder to find certain ingredients like pita breads and all that kind of stuff. So we try and come up with options for people in yeah. the US and UK. But our um, plan for the end of this year is to travel like, worldwide and going into you know our community's homes and be like can you cook us a meal or can you show us what ingredients you use so that we can you know we can learn over this site and then we can create recipes according and we to can better understand the market yeah better understand yeah. those markets and give them what they yeah. need and what they can yeah. they can access sounds like an awesome tax deduction train so when you said massive following what sort of numbers are we talking about we're, we're lucky to have at the moment, you know, tens of thousands of women using our product right yep. now. But obviously, like it's still like we kind of launched as an MVP being like an ebook. So we definitely want to move into more of the tech space as we grow this year and next. So the next 24 months will be really big for us. And I think, you know, really delving in subscription versus traditional e-commerce will yep. also help us grow as well. Yep. So, yeah. yeah. Yep. So you obviously work with an app development company and yes. stuff like that yep. as well. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. 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 There, we're at the moment we're just in, in discussions, but it's all it's all so hard. <laughs> just, and, and so I imagine from a social media platform, Instagram's a big piece. Instagram's the biggest. We've got just over half a million on there, yeah. um, and then on Facebook, just under a hundred thousand as well. So we've just got, and then there's YouTube and YouTube, all that kind of yeah. stuff. But you know, we reach like ten millions, ten million a week. So it's all it's awesome. It's it's really really good. So what does the future hold? Other than global domination. Yeah, oh, that's that. that used to be written at the top of our white book. It's funny you say that. Um, yeah, like definitely, I definitely think in the next 24 months, we definitely want to be in the app space. I, I would say like aim is to be the biggest food platform for food digitally yep. um, and definitely like healthy food. So that's how we want to transcend and, and move to offer people better products moving forward. Yeah, I agree. I'm, I'm all for it. <laughs> So if the Mitch and Leah from five years ago were talking about the future, would they talk differently? Oh, 100%. Absolutely. Yeah. I would have been talking about houses, cars, stupid materialistic stuff. Yeah, yeah for yeah. sure. Yeah, I would have been doing nothing. I was working at a gym. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I would have been I was doing nothing. real estate, so not much better. Yeah, it's weird because I was never very like business savvy or didn't yeah. really have any of those like neither thoughts no. or whatever. But doing this every day, you want to do more and you want to, you want to be learn. more and yeah. learn more. So yeah. yeah. What advice would you give yourself back then to your? Oh God. Go like go through those failures. Go and learn. Go yeah. and learn. Yeah, go yeah. and learn and actually actually try things and do it and don't be scared to fail because you probably will and then you'll just get better on yeah. 
each and every time. Yeah. Not to be cliche though, but like listen to podcasts. Like even like this yeah, is a great example. This, like yeah. listen to other people's journeys, get an understanding, and then like you're saying, go and try and yeah. just learn from experience. Well, there you go. That's great advice for all yeah. listeners. Listen to the Self Made Theory podcast. That's, yeah, right. that's it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we said that. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for spending some time out of your busy day to share your story with us. Oh, we'll include obviously how people can reach you, yeah. uh, yep. both reach the Bear platform as well as yeah, uh, all your play spots on oh. social media. Awesome. And we might even include a link to the uh, funky YouTube video. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Great idea. <laughs> Great idea. <laughs> Thanks very much. Thank, thank you so you. much. Cheers. I applaud Leah and Mitch for being so frank with me. They're a lot of fun, aren't they? If you didn't take something away from listening to their story, well, you better go back and have a proper listen. If you want to find out more about Leah, Mitch or The Bear Guide, then head over to our website, www.theselfmadetheory.com forward slash podcast, where we have our show notes, plus all the ways that you can engage with them. Plus, we've got some great photos in there as well. Until next time, keep innovating, overcoming and prospering. Mm -hmm.